right, welcome to the conversation where we're gonna have a doozy today. Uh, could be, um, well, let's see how it goes. Uh, Brianna Joy Gray is the host of the Bad Faith Podcast. She's co-host on The Rising. She's uh, also a host on Debrief on Call-In, former National Press Secretary for Bernie Sanders in 2020. Uh, and, uh, and we're gonna try to clear the air today uh, in terms of what Folks believe what I believe, what she believes, what everybody believes. So this ought to be interesting. Brianna, welcome. Thanks, Cenk. I appreciate you having me. Uh, no problem. So uh, let's keep it real right out of the gate. Uh, some have called you the fake left, including me. Uh, so uh, now, I, I'll tell you why I called you that, and then you tell me why I'm wrong, okay? So uh, it seemed that you had an alliance, which I don't know if you still have or not, and were like-minded with other fake leftists like Jimmy Dore, Glenn Greenwald, Tulsi Gabbard. Um, first, uh, Tulsi Gabbard hosting Tucker Carlson's show on Friday. Um, do you still think that they have good intent and that they are not fake left, that they, that they just happen to just pummel the left? And agree with the right wing all the time, just coincidentally. I'm just curious what your take on that is lately. I, I didn't catch it. I've I've never actually met or spoken to or corresponded with uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I don't really have a relationship with her. Um, like a lot of people on the left, I really appreciated her standing up for Bernie in 2016. Um, but honestly, haven't really followed her much since. So you know, I think part of my frustration is um, the characterization of me having an alliance with people that I, I barely think about, much less you know have a relationship with. I do have a relationship with Glenn. He was my boss at The Intercept. Um, he's been supportive of me throughout my career. I think he's obviously very bright and thoughtful. And when we agree, we agree. And I find that he's one of the best advocates for whatever it is that we agree on. When we disagree, I have him on my show and we talk about it. And I have brought up some of the criticisms to him directly that people have about whether or not he pushes back sufficiently hard. But he goes on Tucker Carlson and, and other similar shows. We probably will continue to disagree about how one should best handle those types of situations. But you know, I think there's a lot of room uh, on the left for a lot of different people advocating for a lot of overlapping interests, and I'm you know happy to be a part of that. Okay, so that's an interesting answer and a, and a good answer. And guys, uh, I, let me clarify from the beginning as well. Uh, that I wouldn't have Jimmy Dore on this show. I think he's a total fraud uh, and uh, gets all of his money from the right wing and is one of the worst people in media. Uh, but Brianna is on the show because we're gonna actually have a real conversation where we figure out what our opinions are instead of yelling at each other through other people, etc. online. So obviously I think that uh, you, you might have good faith. And I and I and I'm also being honest and saying might okay. So let's actually talk. And I've written, read some of your pieces, Brianna, that I totally agreed with. So so let's get into what you think. I might come back to the Jimmys of the world, but I might not. But I hear you, and that's already an important clarification that you don't view it as a quote unquote alliance, whatever that means. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, what do you what what do you mean by that? Uh, I think Jimmy is an obvious right winger now. He does these idiotic, uh, you know, uh, videos about. But, how, hold but, on, hold on. Let me let me explain. You asked the question and about how the vaccine. Uh, he's skeptical of it because he's making money off that. Earlier, he was doing pro vaccine. But videos. I, I wasn't asking about Jimmy. So, I, I was. My question was about what you mean. What do you mean about me? Since we're here, 
I mean, I, I, yeah, I really do yeah. think you no, no, no. have That's Jimmy what I was on the show and talk to him about Jimmy. But what yeah. do you mean when you characterize me and Jimmy or me and whomever as having a quote unquote because, alliance? Because in the, in, in the days where he was doing force to vote and all that nonsense, uh, and then we, we had a blow up with him over uh, things that happened here. And I saw you and Katie Halper and, and Glenn Greenwald and all those folks constantly supporting Jimmy. And I thought, well, that's well, mental. So that's why what I meant by it. But you were saying you, you're not necessarily allied with him. Well, James, I was gonna take I, that at face value. Well, I firmly believe in force the vote and I support force the vote as did Cornell West and Chris Hedges and Crystal Ball and Kyle Kalinske and a whole lot of people on the left, a lot of members of DSA and the chapter that I used to belong to, a lot of people across the left spectrum really understood that it's really important to force the vote on various issues to expose folks who only performatively believe in various things. And I've seen you yourself talk since then about how important it is to get people to, to, to go ahead and vote for various issues that they as Democrats often espouse, but at the end of the day, hide behind whether that's parliamentarian or other kind of procedural factors to yeah. disguise the extent to which that they actually don't want to follow through on some of these policies because their donor base won't allow them to. So I yes, I did and continue to believe in force the vote. It was frustrating to me that we weren't able to have a conversation at the time because it seemed like a lot of the pushback against force the vote had to do with a mistaken belief that Kevin McCarthy could be the speaker of the house, no. which of course was wrong and debunked and was promulgated by a lot of folks. And it could have been easily cleared yeah. up with a lot, without a lot of the animus that ended up coming out of that moment. And I really appreciate that Sam Cedar was willing to come on Bad Faith Podcast and have a prolonged you know, civilized conversation about it. That I think ultimately had the potential to move us all forward instead of dividing the left community. Okay, look, I didn't do a good job of starting this conversation off on the right foot, which I wanted to. But now that we're off on the wrong foot, something you just said got really got under my skin. And it's something that you've mischaracterized before. You said since then about force of vote as if I've changed my mind. I've been challenging the Democratic establishment for 20 straight years here. So the idea that like these Johnny come lately's come in and go, oh my God, we had this amazing idea. What if we challenge the Democrats to have a vote? That's the oldest thing in the book. And then you guys like pretend like you came up with it. It's and then you well, and then there's all this talk no, about like no, change no, politics no, at TYT that's mental, not supported by one shred of evidence. And you did that on your show with Jordan Chariton. What, what wait, do you mean I'm, change I'm, politics? Change politics how? What are you talking about? And with all due respect, I'm I'm really confused. I, I certainly didn't mean to take any credit away from the work that you've been doing in the left community for a very long time. So many people who listen to my show talk about how they were onboarded to the left because of watching shows like TYT, which at the time were you know, really unique in the bread tube space, really defined what it means to be a leftist on YouTube. So I don't think this should be a conversation about who gets credit for what. You know, I, For me personally, I didn't care who came up with Force the Vote. I actually heard of the idea first from watching Sam Cedar's show. And he mentioned that there was an idea that he thought was a good idea that came from Jimmy Dore. And that's what perked my ears up because I knew that there was some friction there between those two. And I thought, wow, if Sam is willing to say this about a, an idea that he heard about from Jimmy Dore, which of course Jimmy Dore didn't invent either. And he, he says this very openly that he got it from the DSA, that it was a, a tactic that was listed in the 2019 DSA um, kind of strategic, some strategic document. And of course, like in the context of course of vote, we've been talking about we always talked about how this was a model that was used by suffrage, suffrage 
that people, suffragettes rather, um, in the early part of the last century. That having people vote, vote and vote on bills, even as they were voted down, really ginned up a lot of public interest in women's equality and, and those kinds of things. So yeah, I certainly don't think we as a left community should be talking about credit or who's first or anything like that. I think the goal should be for us to come together and try to figure out the best way strategically to go forward. But it's difficult to do that when people are so bogged down in their interpersonal animuses. And that's part of why I wanted to come here today to no, really but, talk but Brianna, about why you, it is that so, there seems to be so much negative energy. Yeah, so, but we have to break that down because I'll tell you exactly how the history of that went. So Jimmy, at the time, we're still friends. No bad blood has happened at all, other than old stuff from from TYT. And at the time, I didn't know the old stuff from TYT. So he calls me up, force a vote. I say, okay, that's you know, as a general thing, forcing a vote, perfectly great on Medicare for all, perfectly great. Um, then uh, later, I ask, hey, we're gonna force it, and then what happens? Like who? Is there a progressive that's going to run against Nancy Pelosi? Because if there's no progressive, what are we doing? Making Hakeem Jeffries the Speaker of the House? What earthly difference would it make? He's just as conservative as Nancy Pelosi. And Jimmy didn't have an answer for that. None of you ever have an answer for that. And uh, well, I mean, we're I gonna hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me explain the whole thing. And then, okay, we're, we're gonna go for Medicare for all. But wait a minute, there's a ton of things that are lower hanging fruit. And if you're gonna go and do a spectacular force to vote, that's a big action. Let's try to get something that we can actually get. Medicare for all is not even on the agenda. I hate that it's not on the agenda, but I know what's doable and doable and not doable. And at the time, idiots like Aaron Monte run, oh, $15 minimum wage, that's already in the bag. We don't need to do that. And I'm like, wait, if you guys are gonna be juvenile and you don't know how any of politics works and you have no earthly idea how in the world you're gonna get Medicare for all to pass, let alone things like $15 minimum wage, and you don't have an alternative to Pelosi, then why am I wasting my time? But I didn't say that publicly, I said in a very gentle way, I don't think this is a good strategy. Then Jimmy blows up and goes nuclear and attacks us viciously for no goddamn reason. So when he does that, don't come at me and say, hey, there's a personal animus issue here. Well, you're in that fight, your ally, Came in and King, nuked I, everyone, everyone, Ryan Grimm, David Sirota, the best progressives in the country. He nukes them and he goes, whoa, 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 what's with the personal animus? So I I am not accusing you of having personal animus. I think it's an accurate description. You called Aaron Maté an idiot. You've had your feelings about Jimmy Dore out on the table. I personally would prefer not to make those kind, you know, characterize people that way. I don't think that that's helpful. Obviously, you can do what you want. I can't control that. Um, but I am articulating what I experienced, and I experienced a lot of animus, and I experienced it as animus when you referred to me as a fake leftist. I have never had any kind of negative interaction with you. I've never feuded with you privately or publicly. I've never said anything negative about you on the internet. So I was, That's I actually it was not pretty true. hurtful. You, you talked with Jordan. We, you talked with Jordan about how we changed our politics at TYT, based on what and change it to what, change it from I what. I don't remember. Change, truthfully, so a lot of people come on my show and they maintain, like I, I confess I was never, I'm not a long time TYT viewer. So I would never say something like that, I don't think, because I don't have that perspective. Other people do come on my show and they say their opinions. And other people, I think like Jordan has been in this universe for a long, much longer time than I have. He might have had the view that there's been a shift and he's a guest, he's entitled to his opinion. I don't really have anything to say about that one way or the other. But I would like if we can to keep this focus, this conversation focused on 
us and whatever your concerns were about me since you're the one who called. I mean, I don't mean this accusatorily, I'm just trying to unpack this. You referred to me as a fake leftist and I reached out to you about having a conversation about it because I didn't want this to explode and I'm really unhappy with all of the dispute, the, the, the disputes that have happened on the left. I wanted to clear the air and be able to have a direct conversation with you about whatever your concerns are about me. And I think it might be more productive to talk about our relationship now here as opposed to all of these other issues that you have with other factors and other people that I can't speak for. Yeah, so I agree with that, but again, the 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 flow of the conversation is forcing me to say one last thing about the personal animus point. Look, Brianna, I'm trying to give you an earnest answer. So when Jimmy said horrible things about how he sexually harassed Anna, but even if you put that aside, and I don't know why on God's green earth you would put that aside. And he then accused everyone of work getting funded, including us, by Nancy Pelosi and the CIA. When Sam Cedar and Jimmy Dore were both part of the network, Sam and Michael Brooks, who I love, would attack Jimmy all the time. And I told them, don't do that. You're bringing needless personal animus into this. We've got to stick together. We agree with the issues, don't make it personal. And I wouldn't even, and as much as I loved Michael, and now I honestly looking back on it, regret it. I, I wouldn't have him on the show as long as he kept attacking Jimmy. Because I did. I didn't want the personal animus. So, and I give you that as an example of me regulating on that and with the guys that I love, Sam and Michael, right? Who's now, of course, passed away. Okay. So, when if, so I know for a fact if Jimmy was saying, hey, Brianna Joy Gray is getting funded by Nancy Pelosi and might be working with the CIA, I'd say, Jimmy, you're massively out of bounds. And I'm not gonna work with you and I'm not gonna be your ally in any goddamn thing as long as you keep saying these insane lunatic things. So that is what led me to believe that you were aligned with fake leftists. So I'm t- I'm answering the question so you were asking. Just to be just really clear, because I didn't insert myself into an argument that you- No, you did, you having. kept backing him over and over again. Wait, I'm sorry, wait a minute. I keep backing force the vote. I believe in force the vote and I'm going to continue to back that kind of adversarial politics until the day I die. Whether Jimmy supports it, whether someone else supports it that you might not like, whether someone I disrespect deeply like Cornell West supports it and Chris Hedges supports it and Crystal Ball supports it. All of these people were supporting this idea and what was frustrating to me was how unable people were to engage with it on its substance in part because they were so caught up in the ad hominems with Jimmy, so again, I can't speak to any of the stuff that you just talked about. I don't know who's funded by who, that's none of my business. I choose to, to judge people about the content of their opinions on the policies that I care about. And so with respect to force the vote, I was frustrated with some of the backlash against David Sirota. I was also frustrated with David Sirota coming out of the gate a little timid on the issue. But I reached out to David Sirota. I talked to David Sirota on my show and his, and we worked it through. And I addressed all of the concerns he had about force the vote. And he ended up being one of the best advocates for force the vote and engaging because we engaged. And we were able to add to the idea and say, you know what? The part about the the Medicare for all is a largely performative vote to get the issue discussed in the context of this pandemic. But what concrete asks could we make? And David Sirota was instrumental in coming up with some of those asks, like getting Richie Neal off of the head of the Ways and Means Committee, like getting the PAYGO exemptions, which although there's a lot of discussion about how the squad did get those, that wasn't in fact the case. And he enriched the idea because he was able to participate in the conversation. And I'm so grateful to him for that. And Ryan Grimm and I, despite having a lot of disagreement 
over this issue. We're able to have a private conversation where we worked through our differences. He came on the, on my show in bad faith. He was able to acknowledge some missteps that he had made about um, care about not pushing back in an interview that he had with Pramila Jayapal when she gave as an excuse for not doing force the vote. And remember, she's the only he's the He's the only one who got an actual an interview with a squad member about this. And when he asked her why she didn't support force the vote, she said because Kevin McCarthy could, could be Speaker of the House. Ryan Grimm knew that wasn't the case. He didn't push back at the time. He said he's, he regrets doing that. And we were able to make our apologies and move forward with our relationship. And I value Ryan deeply, again, as my former boss and someone with, from whom I've learned an enormous amount on the left. So I hope that a lot of people, including you and I, potentially maybe someday, I don't know, none of my business, you and Jimmy, People like Aaron, no, I think no, they all no. add to the left and are very valuable. No, they do and not add be. to the left. When, they when, don't. I'm sorry, Jane, but when there's so much, there's so many big dragons out there to slay, to spend all of this energy and have all of this anger worked up against people you, who care about Medicare for all, who care about a $15 no, they minimum don't. wage. No, they don't. No, they don't. Brianna, this is my point to you. This is what opinion. I'm trying to get across, okay? So now those forces, are spending 98% of their energy backing right wing talking points, backing Tucker Carlson, backing Donald Trump, backing the Republican Party, never, ever, ever criticizing them. Spending all their energy attacking Nina Turner and, and David Strode and Ryan Grimm, the best progressives in the country, and the squad, the only people who are not taking corporate PAC money, the only people that are even trying a little bit. And they spend all their energy doing that and you go, oh, they're great leftists. No, they're not. And they're getting literally some of them like Glenn Greenwald are getting paid by Peter Thiel through Rumble. They're getting paid through their right wing uh, Patreon supporters. So it's so when why you, you aid you an event and you make it seem like, oh, when Jimmy tells you that the real problem is progressives and not Republicans, that he's on the left, you're helping well, that deception. Well, Cheng, for one, you should really talk to Jimmy. I am not a ventriloquist dummy for Jimmy Dore. He, I'm sure, would be or open and happy Rewald. to talk to you. I, I just cannot for other people and I really wish you would respect me enough to engage with me as the okay. human being that's sitting in front of you and not asking me to speak for these random men who I'm not accountable for. I'm not their mom. I'm not in league with them or in alliance and allegiance with them. I respect them for the ways that they advance the issues that I want to advance and protect. And when I disagree with them, I disagree with them about the specific issues that I disagree with them on and I don't make it personal. And I think that's really good advice for everybody in this community. Yeah. Now, if you wanna ask me specifically, yes. I do think that they are, you know, depending on the issue, there, there's a lot of really good faith engagement happening. So I don't see it, and I, I respect that you obviously see this differently. I don't see critiquing the few people that we have that are in positions of power to actually advocate for us as attacking them or trying to bring them down. When I say something like the progressives in Congress, because of the narrow margin in the House, could have had any number of force of vote moments over the course of this last 18 months. That they could have, you mentioned the $15 minimum wage. During force the vote, when AOC said to Justin Jackson that she was going to reserve her political capital for a $15 minimum wage. Part of why I didn't have quite the same reaction as Jimmy. I was very frustrated, don't get me wrong. But I wasn't quite willing at that point to kind of go all in on the squad, fraud squad characterization. Because I thought, well, maybe she knows something that we don't know. And maybe when the time comes, she really will, in the, and they will, all of them together, I don't mean to put it all on her. But all of them together will vote as a block and hold up must pass legislation like the American Rescue Plan to make sure if not a $15 minimum wage, something significant that was on the cutting room floor got into the bill. They all had the power to be the mansions and cinemas of the left, right? 
And when that moment passed and didn't happen, when no one really called out the parliamentarian trick in stripping at 15 from the bill at the time, when Pramila Jayapal was reported to have whipped the votes to make sure the Progressive Caucus did not in fact hold up the bill to fight for the issues that we sent them to Congress for. I think it's absolutely incumbent on us to call that out and push them to be better. Because if they're not fighting for us while they're in there, if they're not maximizing their ability to use their leverage for the most vulnerable people in this country, I don't know what they're there for. So Brianna, every time I try to get to talk to you about you and about policy, you, you say something that's maddening that forces me to clarify. And then we get back into the same muck. Okay, so in this case, two things. You framed it as, I don't know, holding people accountable is not attacking them. Okay, so let's be very clear on what we've done and what the definitions are. We have held those same individuals accountable massively. Okay, I did a video saying I'm burning all my bridges with all the Just Democrats, a group I formed and named to try to get them to take action on things we could actually win on, like $15 minimum wage. I burned my bridge with Bernie Sanders, forcing him to, and we did a petition, we our viewers sent in videos, and, and it worked, and it forced Bernie's hand to have a vote on $15 minimum wage. And then we found out who the eight Democrats were that voted against the $15 minimum wage. And we found out that those were two of the top allies for Joe Biden, the two senators from Delaware. So that was actually a force of vote that was incredibly effective in at least finding out who the bad guys are. We got no help from anyone else because they were busy with you know their, as you would say, personal animus. But our audience was enough and we did it anyway. So when you say it as if I'm opposed to it, are you? Like I, I am Cenk, philosophically Cenk, massively in favor of it. With all due it. respect, with all due respect, and people can play back the tape. Nothing I said was meant as an antagonist. I think that you're a little, you're personalizing this and inserting yourself into this. All I was talking about was what, what my feeling. I was using an example to demonstrate why I don't think that criticizing the squad is attacking the squad. And so what you're saying is you also criticize the squad. I think that's great. So we understand each other. We understand because we've both done it. That having a critique of leftists in Congress, even if they're the best that we've got, that critique is necessary to try to maximize and push them in the direction that we think as voters and as media figures, they should go. So I don't, we're actually in agreement here and I'm not really sure what the dispute is. Yeah, no, because you said, all right, forget what you said. I, you framed it as holding them accountable is attacking them. What I was trying to get to, and no, this no, sucks. No, no, no. Hold, saying, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was saying the opposite though, Chang. I'm saying holding them accountable is not attacking them. And you agree with me, so I again, yes, what's the problem? No, so the problem is because this is forcing me to delineate the difference. When Jimmy says in a speech, Let's okay. go to hold on. Jimmy, no, I have to give you I'm the distinction. I have to give you the you distinction between attack and hold accountable. No, Brianna, hold on. You have to understand it. When he says, let's go to AOC's house and make her afraid of us physically, that's attacking. Saying, hey, we need you to have this vote on $15 minimum wage because we actually think it can pass. And here's our strategy for it is holding accountable. When Pramila Jayapal says, hey, let's decouple infrastructure build and build back better. We say, hey, no, that doesn't make any sense. You're going to to lose Build Back Better. That's holding accountable. So there were things that were out of bounds that were attacking. So I just want to be clear with the audience and with you. Holding accountable is, we agree, is definitely not attacking. There, there needs to be lines that you don't so, cross. So if you want to be very specific, 
I personally do believe that protesting in front of politicians' houses is legitimate. I think it's legitimate. I, I, think I it's hear legitimate. you, but you don't say, let's wait, go make her afraid wait of wait us a minute. by going if to I her house. Finish. When I had Chris Hedges on my show probably last fall, it was one of my favorite episodes ever. And he talked about the politics of fear. And he talked about how if you have a social movement and you want it to be effective, you have to have people afraid of the consequences of not listening to you. And I think that what we've seen over the course of the Biden administration even before, when we had the largest protest movement in American history that was just plainly ignored and disregarded by the party that was supposed to be championing the interests of the people who were in the streets. That they weren't really afraid because ultimately there were no consequences there. And I don't mean threats of physical violence. What I mean by afraid is that there was gonna be some tangible consequence to not listening to you. My argument in the summer of 2020 was there needed to be a, a credible a credible campaign to withhold one's vote. Just some very clear popular policies were committed to by Joe Biden. I think we might live in a different world where, you know, if that had been the case. I'd say the same thing is, is true now over whatever election happens in 2024 and what these midterm elections coming up. And I also think it means being willing to say, Nancy Pelosi, who is the most powerful woman in Congress, person in Congress, you know, probably the most powerful Democrat in the country, she doesn't get to be Speaker of the House if she doesn't turn over some things to the progressives. They had power to do that. And before she was in office, before she was elected, AOC said, there's no reason why Nancy Pelosi should be Speaker of the House. I wouldn't vote for Nancy to be Speaker of the House. And so something very concrete that could have happened. You say it doesn't matter if Hakeem Jeffries is a speaker, it matters to Nancy Pelosi. It matters to Nancy Pelosi. And demonstrating a willingness to actually put your money where your mouth is and deeply inconvenience the establishment of the Democratic Party is a much less performative action, I would argue, than asking Bernie Sanders to have an amendment to put a $15 minimum wage back in the bill. When we all know that taking it out of the bill was the real moment of tension point, right? Because putting it back in the bill takes 60 votes. Pulling it out only takes, sorry, voted on it in the bill takes 50 votes, which is why the parliamentarian is so crucial. David Sirota has been talking about this because the exact same thing, as I'm sure you know, just happened with this this latest inflation inflation bill, where Bernie Sanders again, the amendment king, is is trying to get all of these things back in the bill, but Chuck Schumer stripping them out because the parliamentarian said so, instead of just forcing a vote with them in, despite what the parliamentarian says, turns a 50 vote issue into a 60 vote issue and provides cover for all these Democrats to be able to say, yeah, sure, I want it back in the bill without ever having any risk to their donor base that it's gonna happen. So why am I saying all this? I'm just wanted to really make it clear. I think we are broadly in agreement. People have different tactics. I understand that Jimmy's tone is not necessarily what I choose. It's not what you choose and it's not what you like. But I also respect that he channels a lot of the deep anger and resentment that so many people who are failing and being crushed by you know poverty, by medical debt, by cancer, by all kinds of ailments. Those people are looking at people like you and I, who are sitting here calmly at our desks, talking about these things, you know, in a way that can feel academic to people who are really suffering, and they see something in Jimmy. And if Jimmy is no. attracting a certain kind of audience and pulling a certain people to the left, right who resonates with them, I I think that's a good thing. And all. if people don't like that, I think they cannot go other places. He I respect his entire audience to the right. He pulled his anyway. I can't I can't bear to talk about these guys anymore. Glenn Greenwald kissing Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones' ass is not pulling anyone to the left. You should talk to him. Uh, yeah, that I think liar. it would be a really fruitful conversation. You're both fraud. welcome on bad faith. Okay. I had, you know, 
my friend Nathan Robinson had similar concerns about Glenn, which I respected, and so I had them both on to talk about it on Bad Faith. I'm and it not was one interested of our best in their right-wing talking points. Okay, so let's go to our agreements. Okay, so let's be clear. So let's try to go through as many agreements as we can as quickly as we can. So, for example, you said, hey, the key moment is when Schumer takes it out of the bill. Totally agree. That's why we tried to put the $15 minimum wage pressure on before. And as I told all of our allies in Congress, they're lying. Democratic leadership is a bunch of liars. And when they tell you they're gonna do $15 minimum wage, I guarantee you it's a lie. And they didn't believe me. And so I tried to get them to take action before Schumer took it out of the bill. But, but, but we didn't succeed and they didn't believe it. So, so let's first, obvious question, it looks like we, you and I agree completely, Democratic leadership, totally full of crap, 100% conservative, totally in service of their donors, and you should never trust them, and progressives should have their heads examined if they do. Do we agree with that? That we sh- the progressives shouldn't trust the establishment Dems? Yes. Of course. Okay, of course, great, perfect, okay, and that's a huge important thing. We all, we both agree to that, that's great, okay. So holding the progressives accountable, totally agree. I think Jayapal has been an absolute disaster. I think they're crazy if they're gonna have her as the head of the Congressional Progressive Caucus again. The minute she decoupled, we lost Build Back Better and everything that was in it. And so obviously we agree to that, does that make sense? Yeah, and I appreciate it at the time, AOC was one of the few people ringing the alarm bell saying the decoupling is the end of it and she was right. You know, I wish there had been more progressives, and I wish more progressives would continue to call out Pramila Jayapal. I, I mean, I think the squad, to the extent that they care at all about some of the mistrust that exists now in certain parts of the left, part of it is because there is this perception that we all know how terrible Pramila Jayapal is at this point. You know, the the endorsement of Chantel Brown over uh, Nina Turner was a real tipping point point for a lot of people, and yet almost nothing was said about it. Everyone just kind of ate it and accepted it. And and that doesn't give people a lot of faith in the progressive caucus as a group or even the smaller group of the squad. Yeah, and, and I'll and I'll tell you why they do it. It drives me crazy. I think they're wrong. I've said it on air, I've said it off air. They as soon as they get to Washington, they believe the the biggest myth there ever is. The most important thing is decorum and your colleagues and being nice to them. No, your colleagues are your opponents. They, they do not want Medicare for all, they don't want Green New Deal. They've said it, Nancy Pelosi said it in every mocking way. She is not your friend, she's not your ally. The minute you treat her as an ally, you're a sucker and you're gonna get played. And that's what happened with Jayapal. And by the way, TYT put pressure on this squad. And look at that, the six Justice Democrats were the only ones who voted in the right way to say they should not be decoupled. And credit where credit is due on that, as, as you just said. So, uh, okay, good, we're in agreement on that. Uh, so, if we agree that we hold, need to hold all these folks accountable and corporate Democrats are a huge problem and, and, and they're part of the issue, then there isn't much we disagree with on the left. And that's why I get to the right wing and how some folks treat the right wing with kid gloves. But I don't want to make any assumptions. And like you say, you don't watch every minute of TRT, of course not, right? And I don't watch every minute of your shows, of course not, right? So that's part of why I had you on here in the first place. I wish we'd have done it in the beginning, but that's on me. So help me understand how you think of the right wing. Because 
When I get to the right wing, I think they're even worse. They're all corrupt, just like the corporate Democrats are. They take the same donor money, right? And then on top of that, they add in personal corruption and 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 on social issues, they're monsters. So, do we agree on all that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So look, it right there. That's the most important thing that we've gotten out of this conversation. Because if I, Glenn, or any of the other guys on here, they tell me some BS excuse about about why they never criticize Trump. Trump monster. Fair. Of course. Of course. Okay. Great. Wonderful. Already, that's a thousand times better. Okay. Although, Chinka, I I will say this. Some people believe that identifying what appeals to some Americans about these figures, identifying it and speaking to those concerns and acknowledging that at times figures even as ones I find as repugnant as Trump are able to have a diagnosis of what's wrong in America. That is right, despite his prescription for that problem being wrong. Some people see that acknowledgement as somehow an endorsement of those candidates in their policy no. prescriptions to, to address the issue. Yeah. So I, I do think, and again, the lines can become blurry sometimes. I do think sometimes folks say things like, it's legitimate to be concerned about free speech, let's say. Or even try to appeal to an audience that is being galvanized by that particular issue and being pulled right because there isn't the among in the Democratic Party as much emphasis on that particular issue. Or let's say um, the Russia-Ukraine crisis. Where there is a frustration by a lot of leftists that the US's role in the West's role in expanding NATO was a precipitating factor, although it obviously doesn't excuse the independent actions of what Russia does in the context of this invasion, that we need to be having a conversation about it. And it's frustrating that there's more, there is at times more of an anti-war sentiment, though it is often in bad faith, that comes out of the left part of the party when the squad members will continue to vote. Sorry, on the right, on the right wing. And squad members are continuing to vote for more aid, etc. And I do think that sometimes people bring up, well, this right winger is better than a left winger on this issue, not because they like the right winger, even believe the right winger is acting in good faith, but in order to try to shame the left into saying, why are you letting them occupy this space? Why are you letting them look like they're the vanguards of this issue? It should be us, it should be us. And I think it can be frustrating at times when that effort to make the left be to the left of even the most bad faith superficial right wing actor is characterized as actually believing whatever the right wing you know, hypocrite uh, is saying in that moment. Yeah, so then let me clarify my point of view on that. Um, so when a right winger agrees with us, I don't look a gift horse in the mouth. So uh, I'm not one of those folks who say, if Donald Trump says it, it must be false. I, I didn't lend my brain out to anyone or being against anyone. Uh, across the board, and that makes no sense at all. So if Matt Gates is against war, and he says, and Mike Lee, they say, hey, you know what? We need uh, Congre- uh, pr- the president needs to ask for congressional authorization for war. I love it. They're coming to us. We're not going to them. I will take yes for an answer. So anyone who says no, uh, I'm on Team Democrat. So I hate those guys. So I'm going to. Cut my uh, cut off my nose to spite my face. I don't agree with, and I find it absurd. Now, that is some issues, and sometimes we'll agree on marijuana legalization with some portion of the right, etc. I'm going to take yes for an answer on all those. But there are other issues. Uh, there, there's actually three buckets. There's the bucket in the middle where we don't agree. I don't agree with some people saying they're on the left, right? So Ukraine, for example. 
questioning the amount of funding that's going to Ukraine totally makes sense. I'm, I believe Ukraine is in the right. But hey, whenever we ask for anything at home, we never get it. But as soon as defense contractors are gonna make money off of it, we're spending billions and that isn't necessarily even going to Ukraine. So I find that legitimate. But then when you get the gray zones and they, oh, I hate to say it, the Jimmy's saying, oh, the Ukrainians are terrorists for fighting back against the Russians. That's, how that's dare they kill they say, the Russian soldiers? They literally said it. Jimmy did a video about how the Ukrainian civilians were terrorists for firebombing the tanks that were coming to blow up their house. I, again, I don't. I think I maybe don't watch as much Jimmy Tour as you might, but I do listen to Aaron Mate and Katie Halper's show. I do hear him in that context. I do see clips from Gray Zone people and things like that. Um, I had Max Blumenthal on the show, yeah. and my my understanding is that there are these specific instances in which there's not reporting on the West about no. various skirmishes, about the presence, even if you think it's too minor to talk about, but the presence of Nazi and right-wing groups in the, ah, in the see, context of the- See, that's what I'm talking about, Brianna. Okay. You, you, then you're validating insane right-wing talking points. So well, wait a minute, Jay. there's Nazis you're, in America, there's Nazis in Idaho. Should we attack Idaho? So, no, that's a Vladimir so, Putin the, the talking issue, point as a justification for attacking attack, them. But Tanky, I mean, I mean, there's a credibility issue here because if you mischaracterize other people's arguments, I think there's a legitimate reason to have a credibility issue. I've never wait, seen Gray Zone not wait. agree with Vladimir Putin. They are total and utter puppets for um, him. They're disgusting. Tanky, They're totally liars. If you believe Gray Zone on any of those issues, you're out of your mind. Okay, so with that's all due respect. With all due respect, that's not constructive. And if you could, it's you know, not constructive to agree with Vladimir Putin and right wing hatchet men. That's what's not constructive, Rihanna. That's you, why I get Cenk, frustrated. Cenk, you just finished saying that just because somebody is a bad person, if they're right about something, I'm not going to disagree with it on principle. That's what you just finished saying about saying, taking yes for an answer with some of these conservative right wing extremists in the United States. So, I also think it can be true. That Putin is a bad faith actor, that he invaded another country, that he's violated international law, all of those things. And also some of the reporting from organizations that apparently you don't have a lot of respect for, but which I do, people like Aaron Mate have been very clarifying, clarifying in a lot of the international, you know, politics and the historic the history that precipitated these moments that have helped me to have a much clearer understanding of what's going on in the region. Now, do I do I agree with every single thing? That some people in that kind of political cohort says, no. I also talk to people like my brother, who's an international relations expert, and he has a very different view of things. I consume all of this. I respect all of these people. I listen to them and I try to come to my own opinion. But what I don't do is try to do ad hominem attacks against people or impede oh, bad Brianna, people. You're not getting it. Now you see that's deceptive, okay? So we, we did long stories about how Aaron Monte and Gray Zone lied about the chemical attacks in Syria. So when you lie and you do it on purpose and you do it on behalf of a an imperial government, yes, it's not our own, but it's someone else with imperial ambitions who invades other countries and brutally kills their citizens. And you say, well, hey, at least it's not Americans doing imperialism and murdering these people. And I'm gonna pretend that the That's victims you know are actually the people who did it. This. You are aiding and abetting Russian okay. propaganda. Okay. I'm not gonna stand for it. I think you should talk to Aaron about this. I know you don't, won't, but I think you should, but I'm not gonna sit here you know, Aaron wrote a, 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 an acclaimed, award-winning piece Ugh. about the OPCW report. It's if total you, If you have a substantive crap. disagreement with his findings, 
there's you can have that substantive disagreement with him. But I really think it would be productive if you if so much of time of the time we've spent here, Jank, is is you calling people names and and having these kind of high level ad hominem criticisms of them without engaging in the sub and substance of what they've actually said. All right, let's talk with. about how it's you fine help to the right disagree way. with people. No, because you're, Brianna, you, what you're doing is, is you every time with. I say, hey, wait a minute, that helps a right wing talking point. That helps a bad guy like Trump, etc., or, or 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 Putin in this case. You go, hey, you're being ad hominem. No, wait a minute, you're helping to deceive people when you make it no, no, seem no. like Nazis are a huge part of Ukraine and that the Jewish leader leader of Ukraine is working with Nazis, that's mental. I'm not gonna call that 50-50. I'm not gonna say, hey, maybe Aaron's great. And maybe the Nazi propaganda he's doing to help Vladimir Putin. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, because it makes it look like it's 50-50 when it ain't 50-50. And when I get frustrated with that, you go, well, look, I'm super reasonable. It seems well, like you're doing personal no, animus fine. here. Look, what, what you, you just did to me, what you've done to all of them, which is to completely mischaracterize what I just said. When I said the thing about the Azov Battalion, I intentionally, and people can go and rewind and listen to my words because I just said them. You intent, I, you intentionally, I intentionally said it's a small part, it's not da da da. And then the why mention it? It's a small part minute, of America. Wait a minute, you're okay, doing exactly. no, but you're mentioning Wait, but it Jank, so to muddy Jank. the waters. Um, I can't tell. Maybe the Jewish leader's a Nazi. I can't tell. I, I'm, you're muddying the waters. Why are you mentioning? It's like saying, hey, you know what? I can't believe America is supporting Ukraine. America has uh, these a small faction of Nazis in Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. Uh, maybe America's so Nazis. I don't know. If, if you're interested in actually having a conversation, the argument is not that they exist and that makes the country good or bad or worth defending or not defending. The argument is. And we just had a report about this last week that there is a lot of ambiguity about where the money is going. And the concern is arming these specific Nazis in the same way that the United States, mm. yes, we have Nazis and white supremacists. There is an, a robust conversation about whether or not there's a real problem with the number of white supremacists in our police force. That is absolutely a legitimate question to see. We had this conversation around 1-6 is part of the reason why people were let into the Capitol because they were they had sympathetic people in the security team around the White House. That is absolutely illegitimate question to ask if our tax dollars, our weapons are going to people who don't have our interests at heart. That is the issue. And if you think the answer is no, fine, substantiate it, talk about it, engage with the issue and make your case. That's all Brianna, I'm saying, I don't this is not my area of expertise. I, I don't I'm know. Not, I'm literally not even espousing a point okay, of view. Okay. But I think I the left is stronger when we're able to talk about these things instead of just assuming that people are secretly rooting for Vladimir Putin because they have a historical perspective or no, they're all what's going on on the ground. Their reporting is wrong. Their reporting is lies. Okay. And then you make it 50 50. But Brianna, I don't know if you're doing it on purpose or not, but you did what you just did there was a sleight of hand in that conversation. You started talking about how, oh, well, there's small uh, faction of Nazis, but I don't know. Does the money go into Nazis? Maybe we don't spend. Uh, Send money to Ukraine. I'm worried about defense contractors just taking that money, and I'm worried. That's why I'm worried about the spending of the money. It's corporate pork, etc. Right? But you all maybe it's going to Nazis makes it seem like, hey, that's a 50-50 process. Well, and then you hold on, hold on. Then you said, well, hey, I'm concerned about cops and and being far right and Nazis here in America in January 6, as if I'm like, I'm not concerned about that. I'm also concerned no, about that. I don't know why that. you. Why did you bring that into seriously. a conversation about our wait, disagreement? Wait, wait, you are seriously so oppositional. Every time I say something I believe, you interpret it as me saying you don't believe that. It's so weird. If I say my makeup brush is black, you're like, well, I also have a makeup brush. Dude, like, I, I'm not arguing with you. I'm so I'm trying so hard not to argue with you. I, 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 please, please stop.
trying to perceive every word out of my mouth as some how a criticism of you or trying to undermine you. I, I'm sincerely trying to be here in the spirit of reparation. And I, it's 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 okay. I, I don't necessarily feel from you right now that you have a desire to repair. It seems a little bit like point scoring, and and that's I don't know. It's, it makes me a little sad. I don't okay, see why no, there has. To I be did this. this. Look, all right, Brianna. Let's go to something you did recently as an example. Okay, and I so you you talk, and I think it's a good example. So you talked about how when Marjorie Taylor Greene says defund the FBI. Hey, maybe that's not such a bad point, okay? So now that's a good place where again, subtlety and nuance are gonna be really, really important, okay? So if if I saw your segment where you were talking about, hey look, the FBI has this terrible history of oppressing the powerless in favor of the powerful. That's totally true, we totally agree, okay? And, um, and, you're, and if you're getting agreement from the right wing, now this is important, but in an earnest way, about police reform, law enforcement reform, what did we talk about? What did I say earlier? Take yes for an answer, right? So, so far, okay, that's good, agreed, right? But then I think it's incumbent to clarify, but the right wing doesn't actually mean it. It's not like you're gonna get Marjorie Taylor, hold on, hold on, let me finish and then you respond. It's not like you're gonna get Marjorie Taylor Greene to go, Oh my God, you're so right. We should do police reform. These cops are being so abusive towards African Americans. No, what she's trying to say is, if we get in charge, we're not going to let them hold up, hold us accountable. We're going to destroy rule of law by getting rid of anyone at the FBI who doesn't agree with us politically. Don't you see that? So, if you watch my clip, the first sentence and also the last paragraph is all about exactly that. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, great. But then, so then I'm gonna show a clip, a tweet of Marjorie Taylor Greene agreeing with you. And then I wanna get your reaction to it. So I'm not doing this without you. We didn't do it on the show and go ha ha or anything like that. And in fact, I'm genuinely curious what your reaction to it. So let's look at that. So here, in response to you saying Marjorie Taylor Greene is right about the FBI, she says our government has become an institution that protects and saves the, and serves the elites while the people suffer under the American last ruling class. We must defund the FBI, dismantle the Department of Justice, and gut the agencies of political biases and persecutions. I believe in the people. So what I see there, and I'm curious what you see, is her pretending that the right wing is populist and that they're doing this on behalf of the American people. When in reality, what she's saying is, if we get back in charge, there ain't gonna be no rule of law. We're gonna take out the Department of Justice, we're gonna take out the FBI, then they're gonna run roughshod. I do not agree to that at all. So I'm curious what you're taking on of this. I think it was pretty funny since like millions of left, thousands of leftists, she also seems to have not watched the video because I doubt that she would retweet a video where she was called a broken clock who's only right twice a day and a bad faith actor. Um, so I am a co-host at Rising and Rising's audience is a much more conservative audience than what you have here at TYT or what I have at Bad Faith. And when you're speaking to people who are not there for you, you know, Robbie's been on the show much longer than I have. And the audience is largely there for him. They're very libertarian and in, in their bent. They are anti-establishment. They're frustrated with corporate parties, but they've definitely leaned right, especially on cultural issues. I find that I'm able to get more engagement with the video and more engagement with my points that I think are substantive. I spoke, spent most of the, my video talking about communism. Now the FBI has been an enemy of the left. Um, 
to meet them where they are and say, look, I the left is as concerned, nay, more concerned about the issue than the right. And here's the real people who are advocating for this and not in a self-interested way. And the point I make at the end of the video is, I don't believe Marjorie Fa Taylor Greene is acting in good faith. But I believe you might be, and to the extent that you, the audience, is uh, acting in good faith, here's what we should do, come over to the left. I'm addressing conservative audiences or kind of partyless audiences, people who are quote unquote persuadable voters. I'm not doing this for Marjorie Taylor Greene's notice or interest. I'm doing because she is in fact obviously a bad faith actor, but you have to address the people who see her as acting in good faith. That's comms. I just because I don't I I know her and she is a bad actor, but some of the people in the audience are people who genuinely believe what she's saying. So the point is to say, okay, let me just accept on face value that you really are into this. Let me tell you what the FBI really is and let's develop a plan on my own turf about how to address this issue. And I talked to the boys over at the Vanguard earlier today and they raised some interesting points about how like, well, if she is able to set the agenda, her version of getting rid of the FBI is gonna be all about protecting, yes, elite power the way that the FBI has always done and avoiding accountability. I think that's a really legitimate point. That is why instead of, I don't know, Spending a long day attacking me on the internet. What I would love to, for leftists to be doing is to think critically and get our historians and our theorists together and think critically about what it would look like to either restructure or abolish the FBI so that it really did become about accountability for elites instead of harassing leftists and other marginalized groups as it has done historically. But Brianna, do you get that when um, at a moment when the FBI is finally doing something right and holding an elite like an ex-president accountable on his massive law breaking. That when you say Marjorie Taylor Greene is right, that it appears to some, I understand your point that you're making about reaching out to the right wing audience that's watching, I totally get it. And from time to time, I think that that makes sense politically, okay? But again, we need nuance here. But in this time, it allows them to say, you see that? Reasonable people on the left agree with us, the FBI is political. And they're targeting Donald Trump based on politics. That it, well, it seems, but I, I didn't say. I know, I know, and I that's why that I'm asking Marjorie you about. Marjorie Taylor Greene in that tweet, when in Marjorie Taylor Greene's quote tweet, she doesn't even make that argument. But but you know that that's the argument she's saying in this context. Well, she, she tweeted that about how the defund the FBI right after the raid. You know that that's what it's about. No, what I'm asking, I, Brianna, is do you see how it might be perceived? as helping their talking point that the FBI is targeting Trump unfairly and for political reasons. The right is exploiting this moment for what they want and I'm exploiting this moment for what I want. That's all I can do. I, Brianna Joy Gray, with my small platform and 60,000 YouTube subscribers are not platforming or influencing Marjorie Taylor Greene, a sitting congresswoman's behavior. I think that that's laughable. But what I think is very irresponsible is for the left not to take advantage of the genuine interest that many people have across the political spectrum and holding the FBI accountable. Cops sometimes arrest bad guys and do the right thing. Sometimes cops stop a rape in progress and, and capture someone who's been drunk driving before they can hurt someone. Sometimes that happens. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue to advocate for overwhelming police reform, abolishment or whatever it is, because that's the right thing to do. And we need to be come up, coming up with structural alternatives to do the things that cops are supposed to be doing while not covering for all of the misconduct and the structural problems with the police force, just because sometimes they behave right. And I think the same thing with the FBI. It is completely cogent to say, I believe Donald Trump should be held accountable for whatever crime he might have committed. 
At the same time that you say the organization that's undertaking the search has a credibility issue because it spent 85% of its resources, as I talk about in my clip, 85% of its time going after people like Muhammad Ali, Elvis Presley, and Martin Luther King in Fred Hampton, and only 15% of its time going after the Ku Klux Klan. But today they're going after Donald Trump. So then that gets to the issue of genuine, whether they're genuine or not. And I think this is- Of course they're not, and I said that many times in my radar. Okay, so but let's break that down, and this is a good moment. This is a good thing to, I think, end on. So, look, if I sense the right wing is genuine, they're actually voting with us. So, for example, they're anti-war. They're saying the president needs to get congressional authorization, and they voted that way. Great, no problem. A vote's a vote. It's as genuine as it gets, right? So I say yes to that. But if they say, "Hey, Cenk, I I'm, care about law enforcement uh, reform." Right when Donald Trump's getting busted by law enforcement. And by the way, if we win, I'm not gonna do any of the reform you want. Instead, I'm gonna make it way worse. I go, well, that's not genuine. And this is not a moment that I wanna help them with their completely disingenuous concern about law enforcement. I think that's an excellent point. You know how I would, I would nail them on this? Wouldn't it be incredible if in response to this moment, the left actually drafted a plan that they could vote on to actually reform the FBI in a meaningful way. Wouldn't it be incredible if instead of letting Marjorie Taylor Greene stomp and posture on the internet about this sort of thing, that we called her bluff with a piece of legislation that it would actually do what the left thinks would be a good response right now, a response that also that creates accountability for Donald Trump, but which also cuts at the meat of some of the skepticism that the right has about whether or not the FBI can conduct an impartial investigation. That's what I would really love to see in this moment. Call her to the mat, force the vote, make her prove whether or not she is a good faith actor or a bad faith actor. I think that it would be much more productive in this context than sitting around just saying online she's a bad faith actor. Well, we all know that, but the people who support her or the people who are open to having this conversation, they don't know that. And there's only one way they can know that. It's by good faith actors getting in there and actually doing what we think should be done. Instead of just criticizing and complaining and critiquing others. Yeah, I, we have a slight difference on strategy there. I would not do that vote on the FBI now because it would distract everyone and make it seem like the FBI is doing a fraudulent investigation of Trump. But I would have done the same thing on election reform. When the Trump people screamed about election reform, progressives have wanted election reform forever. I would have done a bill that said, okay, great, you want election reform, let's do it, right? And I would have put them to a vote. But there, of course, we have the common opponent we always have, which is corporate Democrats. And they wouldn't allow those kind of real votes if their life depended on it. Okay, last thing on this then is, look, I get concerned that right-wing populism is given credibility when I think it's overwhelmingly disingenuous. So, I mean, this I have that concern on a nuclear level with Glenn and the others, and but I'm putting them aside. I'm taking you as a good faith actor here and say, aren't you worried that they're not at all populist? I mean, at the end of the day, Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, all these guys are talking about their favorite philosopher, Alexander Dugan in Russia, who believes in going back to the medieval ages, violence and dictatorship. Curtis Yarwin here in America, who believes in going to dictatorship and monarchies and ending democracy. That their populism isn't populism at all, and framing it that way is greatly counterproductive. Of course, and I'll say this again, 
Nothing I ever say, nothing in my approach is ever intended to be directed at any of the people who are on TV screens or in Congress. I believe they're all bad faith actors. Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, all of them, right? But the people who like them and support them, some of them are, some of them aren't. Some of them are, some of them aren't. And my goal when I do radars and often the theme of my radar is, Hey, look at this right wing populist saying X, Y, and Z. Here's why they're acting in bad faith and why you should be on the left. That is a common theme, not just in this radar, but if you go back through them, Rising has a, like a list of all of our radars on a row. So you can like go through all of Ryan's or all of Robbie's or all of mine or whatever and, and, and look back through them. You know, I did the same thing around the Fourth Amendment, the, the, the case where Border Patrol our agents are now able to search your house and it's like implicates 85% of Americans because the borders are, most people live within a border. You know, I say, hey, look, you guys care about search and seizure. You guys care about, um, you know, your, the, your privacy rights. Don't you have a concern about this? And they're like, oh yeah, heck, why aren't more conservatives talking about this? This is a big deal for me. So that's, that's the thing that I do all the time. And it's because I'm not talking to Sam Alito. I'm not talking to Tucker Carlson. I'm trying to talk to people who have been fooled by these folks. And maybe you're of the belief that every single person who watches like Tucker Carlson's show is a deplorable and beyond the pale. And no, like I, I respect don't. that opinion. Okay, great. But my, my thought is it's the most popular TV show in America. And that gives me pause. And I'm trying to figure out why it is that people are attracted to him and, and take the parts of it out that are not fascistic and that are not racist and that are not bigoted, where he's diagnosing legitimate problems that about America and has something about his approach that is galvanizing to people and do that plus the good stuff. And explain to people, hey, like like my Tucker Carlson radar that went viral because people kind of, I believe, purposefully misunderstood it, is to say, I know what I see when I see Tucker. I see what you see. I see the bigotry. I see the open kind of white nationalism. But here's how he's subtle in his approach, subtle enough, not to you and me, but subtle enough to the people who like him that he has plausible deniability. So let me explain it to you in a way that you can understand. Because saying dog whistles, saying these terms that we understand and we believe in, many people on the right just don't. And if you look through the comments of that video, if you look through the comments of the Marjorie Taylor Greene video, you might be pleasantly surprised about how many people are like, oh, I hate Brianna. She's a communist, I hate her, da da da. But she makes a good point here. I can't disagree. This is an issue and slowly but surely there are an increasing number of people who see the left as not just a bunch of crazy blue haired freaks or whatever, not that there's anything wrong with blue hair. But as people who are legitimately engaging with, with, with the issues that are, are priorities to them. That's my approach. I respect it if people don't like my approach or choose different approaches. I think a lot of different approaches work in this space. Different people need different things. All I want is the freedom to be able to do it without feeling like I'm fielding quite so much friendly fire from people that I prefer to be fighting alongside. Yeah, so Brianna, super last thing, because that's a great thing to end on. Look, I think it looks like you and I agree that we need to try to pull a lot of the right wing to the left. And I think that's fairly obvious, it's a good strategy. Corporate Democrats don't want to do it because they don't really care because they're already on the right. Long story on that, but we agree on let's pull them to the left, right? So, and on places where we agree, like for example, Article 5 Convention, I agree with Louis Gohmert. Okay, if Louis Gohmert people want to come over, great. Come over and help us get money out of politics, okay? Now, he doesn't necessarily agree with that, but he agrees with the process of the convention. So, we agree on that. What I'm worried about, and that's what I'm trying to understand, that's like maybe the unifying theme of this conversation. Is that when people go on Tucker Carlson and they're not challenging him, all they're doing is agreeing, 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 and agreeing. That it looks like they're trying to pull the left wing to the right and get them to agree to other Tucker Carlson positions 
white nationalism, immigrants are dirty, they're gonna replace us, etc. And that they never clarify. And they never and it look and it looks to us, and that's why I call them the fake left. And I will having had this nuanced, important conversation with you. I, I will take you out of that category. I understand you're trying to come at it from good faith. I will not take the others that you take in good faith in good faith at all. And that's a fine and healthy disagreement. But but the question is, I'm deeply concerned that they're helping the Tucker Carlson's of the world pull people on the left to the right wing. Are you not concerned about that? Yeah, sometimes. And I, I spoke to Glenn directly about it on my show with Nathan Robinson, and we had a good conversation about it. And he acknowledged that he could do more to push back and to make his own positions clear. That was, you know, about a year ago, not quite. And I think it's probably worth revisiting the conversation with him. And so I'll, I'll shoot him an email after I get off of here, and I invite you to that conversation if you're interested. <laughs> no, I'm not, because I don't think he's in good faith at all. So in that year, I mean, Brianna, look at the evidence. I know you're trying to get, you say you're trying to get along with everybody, but evidence matters. You had that conversation a year ago, and since then, all he's done is pro Tucker Carlson, pro Alex Jones propaganda, and he has not pulled them one inch to the left. Whoever thought he was on the left, he has helped pull them to Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones. And that's not productive, well, that's yeah. not left wing. I know it's interesting. So, Glenn in particular has never identified as a leftist. Um, so I don't know that he necessarily has an audience. I mean, I think a lot of us on the left really respect his advocacy for, you know, Julian Assange and some of these uh, kind of a speech and First Amendment journalist type issues. Um, I mean, he has a constitute a First Amendment lawyer, and and that's his area of expertise. But he's never broadly described himself as like a leftist or a socialist or anything like that. So to the extent that he had a left audience that he's pulling right, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical of that claim. Although you know, I, I agree with some others like. I didn't. I haven't listened to the Alex Jones interview. I saw some commentary about it. You know, I don't. I'm, I don't love the idea of. I don't. I don't. I should say this. I don't see the utility necessarily in engaging with someone like Alex Jones. He's not um, in a position of power in terms of uh, making policy or really directing the Republican Party. Uh, I understand he has a huge audience, so there's always some utility in. Getting your ideas out on a large audience, but you know, but I have read some of the criticisms of how that interview went, and I look forward to talking to Glenn about them. But I, what I don't think is productive. I'm sorry, like I don't expect other people to feel this way, but I, I do not have a close relationship with Jimmy, although I appreciated his advocacy around force the vote, and I believe he really deeply cared about that. I do have a personal relationship with Glenn, so I would prefer to have my conversation with him one on one before I make. Commentary yeah. about an interview, which also I haven't even watched or listened to yet. No, no, that part is totally fair. Uh, but you have seen in the last year, he hasn't pulled one person to the left, and all he's done is agree with the right wing. But I don't know. I, there's been some pretty good clips about issues like Julian Assange that regularly happen on Fox News now. Yeah. And what I like for a lot of the ones that I've seen to go a little bit differently and for him to push back a little bit more on Tucker Carlson, like absolutely. And I've said that to him. But I don't know, I, I would have to comb through all of the, the content with a finer tooth comb to make a claim about whether or not it's more helpful than not. Yeah, you know? and, and so of course I agree with him on Julian Assange, but this that's exactly my point. Trump was in charge for four years and he didn't do anything about Julian Assange because all their populism is fake. The only thing he did was pass a $2 trillion tax cut for the rich. 
So I well, somebody made the point to me today, and I don't know if it's actually true, but somebody said that Marjorie Taylor Greene was in fact critical of the treatment of Assange while Trump was still in office. And you know, that's it, it's interesting. It's interesting whether or not some, it, this is the question, right? Are they gonna keep these stances up when their person is in power? I think it might be easier to say yes with something like Assange than something like the FBI. I think that's probably the case, but you know, I think it's our job again to not just have speculation, but to create conditions where we can prove that by forcing the vote on a bill, let's say about FBI reform or abolishment and things like that. And I look forward now that we've had this conversation to people on the left who have much more knowledge and policy knowledge and stuff than I to maybe start pursuing something like that. All right, Brianna Joy Gray, host of Bad Faith Podcast. She's co-host on The Rising. Uh, she's a uh, host of the uh, debrief on Colin. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, and having this important conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chang. I appreciate it. I look forward to hosting with Bad Faith someday. All right, sounds good.